Are you tired of your digestive system feeling like a circus act gone wrong? Introducing Ritual's 3-in-1 Gut Superhero Symbiotic Plus, a probiotic, prebiotic, and postbiotic all rolled into one. And with 25% off with the code POWER, there's no better time to check out Ritual. Let's break it down. Probiotics are like the cool kids at the gut party, keeping everything in check and making sure the good vibes are flowing. Prebiotics are their wingmen, fueling the party with all the right snacks to keep the good bacteria thriving. And postbiotics, well, they're like the cleanup crew, sweeping away the mess and leaving your gut feeling fresh and fabulous. So say goodbye to the gut drama and remember, there's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com power. Tossing and turning all night like a salad? It's time to put those sleepless nights to bed for good. Enter Tanasi, my sleep saviors, and they have science to back up their sleep, anxiety, and pain-relieving powers. Back in 2016, they invested a $2.5 million grant to Middle Tennessee State University to study the hemp plant. Turns out their special patent-pending CBD-CBDA formula is twice as effective as CBD alone and can be more effective than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. So if you're tired of tossing and turning like a rotisserie chicken, then Tanasi's got your back with their range of great products from tinctures to gummies to lotions. Tanasi is my go-to when I can't sleep or I have way too much anxiety. I'm so glad that I discovered them. So go to Tanasi.com and use the code POWER to get 25% off your order. That's Tanasi.com, T-A-N-A-S-I, to get 25% off your first order with the promo code POWER. Sober Powered is sponsored by BetterHelp. I was a stress drinker and I thought if only I didn't have so much stress, I wouldn't have to drink this much. But do you know why I had all this stress? Because I didn't have the skills to take stressors off my plate so they built up and wore me down. Some stressors are big and others are small, but carrying around 25 minor annoyances is going to have an impact on you. Plus, did you know that alcohol messes with our stress response system and decreases our ability to handle stress? It makes small things seem like a much bigger deal. Learning how to manage stress and take things off my plate has changed my life. I'm calm, I'm less reactive, and I believe that I can handle whatever comes my way. I feel proud of the way that I handle things now. You can get there too. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com sober to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash sober. It's very triggering if you've stopped drinking, but you aren't feeling better. You may see people on their pink clouds and think that you are the only one feeling this way. I promise you, you're not. It takes time for the body to heal, and that's why I invited on Dr. Brooke Scheller to talk to us about how our nutrition impacts our cravings for alcohol and the way that we feel. In this episode, you'll learn what to do if you stop drinking but you're still not feeling better, how to reevaluate your nutrition, and a few simple steps you can take to improve your nutrition today. And for the extended interview about alcohol's impact on blood sugar and how hunger can be a trigger to drink, then please check out my Living a Sober Powered Life community. The link is in the show notes.
Dr. Brooke is a doctor of clinical nutrition and the founder of Functional Sobriety, which is her nutrition-based program for alcohol reduction. She's sober herself, and now she takes her passion for sobriety and her expertise in nutrition and functional medicine to help others find freedom from alcohol and improve their nutrition. She also has a book coming out at the end of 2023, and you can use the links in the show notes to stay connected with her. So let's get to the conversation. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to talk to you. I'm very, very excited to be here. And I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Thank you. So you are a doctor of clinical nutrition, which first of all is really cool. But then you segued into doing more like sobriety related stuff. How did that come about? Did you know that you wanted to make that your focus before you quit drinking yourself? Or was it quitting drinking that inspired the change? Yeah, it's a great question. And I have a bachelor's, a master's and a doctorate in nutrition. So I've been studying nutrition for, I guess, over 13 years. And it's just been an area that I've really loved. I'm a big fan of food. I was always very interested in the science behind nutrition. And the more that I learned about it, the more I appreciated kind of the deeper biochemical piece, right? And I know that you're interested in the sciencey part too. So it's like, once I started learning a little bit more about the deeper pieces, I was like, oh, but I want to know why. I want to know why, right? So I've always had this interest in, you know, not only you should take vitamin C because it's good for your immune system, but here's why, right? Because it affects your immune system in this way and it causes this to happen. When we understand those deeper pathways, we can really start to learn more about not only how the vitamin C is helpful, but how other nutrients are helpful, how other body systems are helpful, how things like the gut and the brain and all these body systems interact. And I've always been interested in mental health topics, addiction. Um, both of those run in my family. And it's been something that for a long time, I have tons of books on. And I was always interested in learning more about that. And ironically, my background is mostly a combination of being in clinical practice as a private practice nutritionist, um, doing a lot of blood testing, stool testing, kind of you name it, we tested it and we created custom protocols for our clients. And then in 2017, I segued into working for a startup food company and started kind of changing my path, if you will, in starting to become more interested in innovation, in business operation. And I think that fueled a lot of my desire to go out on my own and do something new. So the irony is that in the fall of 2020, I was asked to contribute a chapter on nutrition and supplementation for a textbook on complementary therapies for substance use disorders. Now, meanwhile, I did not get sober until June of 2021. So in the final nine months of my drinking, I'm writing this chapter in this textbook. And as I often share in my story, 
for a very long time, I felt like I was living a double life, right? Because I have all this knowledge of nutrition and how our bodies function. And yet I still couldn't get a a handle on my alcohol use. I was, you know, really hoping that I was able to you know, learn something from working on that project. But the reality is that things continued to kind of spiral until in June, you know, I stopped drinking. And the real irony comes that in June of 2021, the book chapter was the the book was published, and I got sober that same month, they were not connected by any stretch of the imagination, although maybe subconsciously they were in a way. And within a few months of me eliminating alcohol, I started to get more involved with the sober conversations on Instagram and more into the sobriety space online. And I realized that no one was talking about the benefit and the importance of nutrition as it relates to sobriety. And at that time, I decided to shift more of what I was talking about online on social media, etc. towards, you know, it, it educating people on how they can use nutrition to support that sober or sober curious journey. And that really continued to unfold and unlock for me. Uh, In September of 2021, I wrote a book proposal, I got a book agent, uh, I got a book deal early in 2022. And my book is set to launch later this year. So it's been a really interesting evolution. And what so many speak about in the world of sobriety is how our lives totally take off when we cut out alcohol, right? Like we feel like we're stuck for so long. We feel like we are caught in this like unfortunate cycle of, you know, woe is me. I hate my job. I hate this, my relationship that until we get sober and we go, oh, I don't have to do those things anymore. Right. And so it's just like part of the natural progression of how it all happened. And um, it's been such a joy and a pleasure for me to marry my expertise with this topic that I'm so passionate about and really, really has an impact on my clients and the work that I do and how people are not only changing their relationship with alcohol, but how we're also healing our bodies from long term alcohol use. Part of you kind of segueing into talking more about alcohol use, your own sobriety has gone on display. Was that hard for you or did you like second guess that? Because all of the people that you've probably ever worked with or gone to school with, like are now aware of your own situation. Was that hard? At first, when I first got sober, the first few months, you know, I was, as many people are, very uncomfortable with opening up about that. It's very hard, I think, early on when we are still trying to balance what our social lives look like, how this is going to integrate into our current lifestyle, what things are we potentially leaving behind with that change of lifestyle, friends that we're leaving behind, and, you know, social situations. I reached a point. Around the time that I started, I would say it was maybe three months after I quit drinking that I decided I wanted to speak about it more openly because the struggle that I had had is so common, not only in the general public, but also in the health and wellness space. I have past coworkers, um, employers. I've been to many conferences where alcohol is involved in all of it. And so there was this part of me that felt like 
I, I wasn't ashamed of, you know, people knowing I was very open with my family, with my friends about my sobriety, about my experience. And when it comes down to it now, I look at how dysfunctional alcohol was in or in most work settings or professional settings and feeling almost like it's a superpower to stand up against that and say, actually, you know, if we're preaching, you should be taking these supplements, you shouldn't be smoking, you should be wearing sunscreen, all of these other things that are cancer causing, right? And yet they open the bar at the end of the conference and everyone is up till 2am drinking. And so it feels like going against the grain in a lot of ways. But at the same time, the messages that we are mostly sent around alcohol are wrong. And that conversation needs to change. In your work, when you started really focusing on alcohol, do you have one thing in your mind that when you learned it, you were like, wow, like it just made it made everything click or it made such a big difference or it's the most interesting thing. Like, what was that one thing for you that was the most exciting thing to learn? It's a great question. And I think all of it is exciting. And diving into the research, as you know, as a scientist is always, you know, the nerdy fun piece where you're starting to identify that these things have been researched and they have been studied. And yet they haven't necessarily been things that we talk about in the media, like, you know, the potential heart health benefits of alcohol. I actually just saw a study that came out or was just published a few days ago, and it was reviewing the relationship between the alcohol industry and the government industry or the government um, groups that regulate what the alcohol guidelines are. Right. And I mean, this is just an example of, you know, getting nerdy with research. But what interests me most And part of why I developed my approach, which I call functional sobriety, was really putting together those pieces and starting to say, how does this all come together? Right. Because we've got little bits of information, you know, around how alcohol affects the brain and we have information around its effects on the liver. Over the last few years, there's research being done around the gut and how alcohol affects the gut microbiome, but also the lining of the gut and contributes to intestinal permeability or what we call leaky gut. And so for me, what became really exciting with this was starting to say, okay, if I'm going to be looking at a client and myself, I was my first client, right? How am I addressing these different areas of the body that A, are not only affected by alcohol use when we use it on a long term basis, but also play a role in the reason why it might be hard for me to stop drinking? Because, yes, there are triggers and traumas and all of these things that need to be addressed from a mental health perspective, but there's such little conversation about the physiological, the biochemical things that are happening in our body that contribute to the reason why we don't have the quote unquote willpower to say no to a drink, right? So when I started looking into this and started tying things back together, so for example, I'll just use willpower, right? Which so many of us beat ourselves up over saying, oh, I just don't have the willpower. I can't say no. If I'm, you know, had a stressful day at work, I have to have a glass of wine. 
Well, when getting down to it, it's blood sugar. How our blood sugar is maybe playing a role in that because blood sugar is one of the one of the very common changes that can happen within someone who drinks long term. If we have low blood sugar, which can be for, you know, many reasons and we can dive deeper into this topic, that might make it harder for me to say no to a drink when I am bottomed out in my blood sugar because I haven't eaten for 5 hours because my stress is high and because of all these other physiological things. It's less about, you know, maybe what that stress was, but how do we make things easier biochemically so that our body isn't screaming out signals saying, I need something to spike my sugar. And then things that from a scientific standpoint really interest me around the fact that certain microbes in the gut actually send signals that crave alcohol because they can become used to that as a fuel source. So it gets into some of these really nuanced, interesting pieces that when we can streamline and discuss and identify for people, we can use foods to combat that. We can use foods to stabilize blood sugar. We can also use supplements, which is another big part of my approach, to restore nutrients, to provide that healthy gut balance that we need through probiotics or other um, gut healing nutrients. So that piece for me, it's hard to just identify it down to one thing because there's so many things that you can see really excite me about this topic because it's really endless. There's really an endless stream of information. And you know what I think is so cool is we're both we're both talking about the same things, but different. Like I talk about the body using alcohol as a fuel source and why that makes it hard to stop. I talk about lack of off switch, but I have such a different focus from you. But we're talking about the same thing. And I think it's fascinating how there are just so many different reasons that we can have these experiences and so many different factors that can contribute to it. And nutrition, even though it's something I'm interested in, it's never been like a huge strength of mine. I don't have a ton of background knowledge. So that's why I'm really excited about you showing up and like doing all this work and seeing all of your posts and hearing you on podcasts. So I do, I think your work is very needed. So I'm glad you're here. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm so glad to be here. And it is honestly, it feels like life purpose to be able to share some of this because it is just an untapped resource at this time that can have significant impacts on our ability to stay sober and really how we recover. Because that's the other really important piece is the damage that alcohol does in terms of depleting our nutrients, changing our neurotransmitters in our brain, all of which require nutrients in order to be produced. And so there's all these pieces, these exciting pieces that can really have such a significant impact on our sobriety. And there's such a benefit for people when they start to implement these tools. When people hear a recommendation to change their diet to feel better, a lot of us think like, meh, I don't need to do that. Or like, I'm fine with what I eat. Or like, I don't have time. I don't have time to worry about that. What do you say to people when you when you hear that kind of pushback? The response I get from a lot of people is that I already eat pretty healthy. 
right? Yeah. <laughs> That's the one I get often is that people will say, you know, I already eat pretty healthy. They might think, okay, I don't go crazy with sweets. I don't go crazy with fried foods and all of that. Where I like to challenge that is that we all have different biochemistry. Everybody's body is a little bit different in terms of not only our genetics, right? And who might be more, you know, in need of a certain vitamin or might be susceptible towards a specific type of diagnosis, for example, but also the health of our gut, the health of our livers, the balance of our hormones and our stress hormones. Everybody's body is different. Where I like to encourage people to consider the dietary changes. First of all, a lot of my clients are, to your point, people who are interested in nutrition or they have a history of seeing a nutritionist or they might already take supplements. They are already kind of interested in that type of thing first. But what I would say is, you know, especially if you're listening and you have cut out alcohol or you've significantly cut back on alcohol, but you don't feel better and you expect it to feel better than you feel right now, that is a direct indicator to me that you can benefit from changing your nutrition. And it doesn't need to be huge overhauls, you know, depending on my client and what's going on for them, their goals, um, what they would like to achieve. Oftentimes it's what do you need to have more of? Are there specific foods that you need to incorporate into your already healthy diet, um, like liver supportive foods? Or do you need to bring in some foods that are going to help balance your gut because your gut is contributing to symptoms like skin irregularities or um, bloating or inflammation or headaches? What I always tell people is if you've tried a lot of things before and you feel like you're not making progress, that diet might not be the best diet for you. And again, it doesn't always necessarily mean these big overhauls, but what I like to do is get really deep into that functional medicine piece, looking at the root cause and understanding, well, why do you have these symptoms? We don't want to just put a bandaid on it. We want to understand what's going on so that we can fix it. And then you can eat regularly. You can eat that general healthy diet and not have to feel any type of restriction because we've supported that kind of underlying piece. And especially with people who have heavy alcohol use history, there's definitely things going on under the surface that are contributing to different types of symptoms or diagnoses they may have been experiencing. Um, I'll just give one quick example that is a client of mine. She had been struggling with weight loss for a really long time, several years, and she thought it was her hormones. She decided to come in and see me for a one-on-one -on -one visit. And we looked at her gut microbiome through a stool test. We looked at her hormones. We did some blood work testing. And what we were able to identify is that she had a lot of changes in the gut that were affecting you know, several different systems in her body, but also she had a thyroid autoimmune condition. And she had not known this before because the doctor had never tested this specific thing, which is one of the common things that I test with most of my clients. And we put her on a specific diet. We gave her a protocol of supplements. And within three weeks, she lost six pounds. She hadn't lost weight in years. She was only gaining. And she had been one year alcohol free. And that was what kind of drove her to say, I think I need to take another step because I quit drinking. 
And I thought I would lose weight, but I didn't. So something else is going on. So now she's got this more sustainable approach. She feels great being alcohol free, but now she can really start to reach some of those goals. I love that. And that's a huge trigger for people when they quit drinking and then they don't feel better and they look at everybody else on their pink clouds and live in their best sober life. And they're like, what is wrong with me? Why don't I feel good like them? And then that continues for a bit. And it's like, why even bother? Like if I didn't, if I don't feel good now, like why don't I just drink and also not feel good? That's a huge trigger. So when do you think is an appropriate amount of sober time to, I guess, begin evaluating if you need to do something else or if you just need to give it more time to heal? Well, it can take about two to anywhere between two to six months for the body to start to recover from, you know, depending on how heavy your alcohol use was. And again, everybody's body is a little bit different. So some people might find that within a month or two months, their energy starts to naturally come back up. But within a few months, if that's not changing, that's telling me that maybe there's more significant nutrient deficiencies that we need to address through supplementation. This is why I really like to do testing and evaluation on a deeper level, because we can really start to see what's driving that imbalance. Oftentimes, it's a very obvious thing when we look into the blood work, for example, like that thyroid imbalance that was happening for this one client. We have many clients who are deficient in things like B12 or folate, a lot of vitamin D deficiencies, and sometimes just simply repleting these nutrients can play a big role in someone starting to feel better. Again, depending on the level of the symptoms that one might be experiencing, you know, improving energy is, I think, something that people tend to have a little bit more patience for in this process, whereas You know, I have some clients who are a little more complicated. They have irritable bowel syndrome and they want to address that very soon. I have, you know, a client that has cancer and knows that there's some type of possibility that alcohol contributed to that and wanted to, as soon as they quit drinking, address that. So it really depends on your motivation and your goals and desires. If you quit drinking, A lot of times you have a newfound appreciation for your health and you might say, you know what, I want to do that and I want to look at my nutrition because I think this is going to support this journey. And one thing that I'll just mention with that is a lot of people will say, you know, don't do everything at once. Don't cut out alcohol. Don't, you know, go on a diet. Don't become an exercise fiend and all these things at once. And when it comes to nutrition, I would say the perfect complement to eliminating alcohol is improving your nutrition because it's actually going to combat the challenges that alcohol has put on your body. So it, again, doesn't need to be a diet. It might be incorporate these different foods, add these few supplements. These are the things that are going to help your body recover sooner than it might on its own. How can someone know whether their relatively healthy diet is actually healthy or if it needs to be adjusted? Yeah, the biggest giveaway is if you have health goals, let's say you are trying to lose weight, you want to get rid of your headaches, you want to improve your gut health and your diet isn't doing that, then it's time for a change, right? So you might think again, 
hey, I'm, I'm following this plan or I'm eating vegetables, I'm not eating fried food. But that's not looking at, gosh, are you reacting to dairy? Maybe that's a challenge. Maybe you're reacting to gluten or you're consuming a lot of grains and that's irritating your gut. A healthy diet for each person requires a lot of the same staples like vegetables and fruits and grains, but it doesn't necessarily always include foods that we might think are healthy because we see them on a commercial that says they're healthy or we see them, you know, advertised as being high protein. A great example is a protein bar. Most of them have all of these fractionated processed ingredients in them that when you look at it, I wouldn't really consider it food, right? I'd rather eat an apple and some peanut butter than this protein bar. So sometimes it's just even starting to look at what is the source? Is there actually a lot of sugar sneaking in? Are there, you know, potential food sensitivities that are playing a role? And again, I think just to simply answer your question, it's if you have a health goal and you're struggling to reach it, there's absolutely something that can be done with your diet. I think that's really good criteria. That's easy to answer. Do you recommend that people do like a food journal where they keep track of like what they eat and how they feel? So most people despise that task. Yeah, (laughs) Um, it's a lot. And honestly, I despise that task and I'm a nutritionist. So like I totally get it. A lot of it can be done just by, you know, asking someone what's their regular diet look like, you know, and in my intake visits with clients, that's one of the questions that we go through is, okay, walk me through a typical day. Um, And sometimes they don't always offer up all that information. A lot of times if we have someone that's really struggling and they can't seem to figure out what might be wrong, doing that food journaling exercise can be helpful because yes, then you can start to see, oh, you are actually doing a lot of protein bars or you're doing a lot of X, Y, and Z. You know, one good rule of thumb is the more whole foods you eat and not foods from whole foods, but whole real foods that you eat, single ingredient foods, the better. If you are buying a lot of things in a package that have long labels with things that you can't pronounce, it's not to say that those foods aren't healthy, but the way that your body processes them and reacts to them is going to be different than a whole natural food. So a lot of it is just, you know, looking into the diet as a whole And then kind of diving in a little bit deeper if we need to see if there are some things that are getting in the way. So would you say that's a good first step for people is to evaluate kind of the sources that their food is coming from and try to go to more more like whole foods, one ingredient foods? A hundred percent. I think it's a great way to start just by looking overall at the diet and saying, yes, how much is coming from a package? Um, You know, a couple of baseline things I'm always looking at is, are you getting enough fiber? Um, Fiber is something that 95% of Americans are deficient in. And so if I had to guess, most people who are listening are fiber deficient. And we should be eating at minimum 25 grams per day. And so sometimes I have my clients just journal their foods for a couple of days to look at how much protein they're getting, how much fiber they're getting, because I don't necessarily like to restrict carbohydrates because we do need them unless we're fat adapted. We need them for fuel. We just want to make sure it's the right source, right? And if we've got fiber in there, that means we're getting a good, a good source. 
So evaluating things like protein, fiber, ensuring you're getting enough of those per day is going to be a great baseline. And again, really starting to think about how you feel. And if you feel like there are things that you want to improve upon, again, there's always benefit in looking at your nutrition and evaluating with a professional if that is something that, you know, you need to work on to, again, maximize the nutrients that you're taking in, establish some of these balances in your blood sugar and different areas of your body that are going to make you feel better. Getting sober is a really good time to, again, reevaluate that now that you've got more time, more space and energy, really, to look at that and to maybe do your shopping and to spend time cooking dinner because you're not having a drink before uh, before you get to cooking. I love that. And I think a lot of people will stop drinking and then they're like, okay, healthy, like, let's go. I'm going to work out every day. I'm going to go on a diet. I'm going to, I need to buy a bunch of supplements. I have to do all these things. When do you generally recommend people consider supplements? Do you think we should try to switch up our diet for like a certain amount of time and then think about it? Or how do you normally approach supplements? So generally, I, you know, I'm not a huge fan of people taking random supplements. I'm not a fan of a multivitamin, which is, you know, a controversial opinion in some some minds. But the reason why is that if we are eating a diet that is diverse enough, we should theoretically be getting a lot of the important nutrients that are foundational. So our general B vitamins, our, you know, vitamin C, our vitamin E, a lot of the minerals. However, there are certain nutrients that we know are at risk for a lot of people. So things like vitamin D, especially if you live in the Northeast or the Northern part of the US, you're likely deficient, especially in the wintertime, because things that help support the body's metabolism of alcohol are likely going to be depleted. Oftentimes we will replete those types of things. So for many of my clients and especially my one-on-one clients, we're always customizing that approach so that supplements are part of most people's protocol. But again, it's going to be based upon, you know, an in-depth analysis of their health as well as potential, potential lab testing. I do, however, suggest some supplements and I have um, functional sobriety branded products on my site now, which is great. And things like, for example, L-glutamine, which is a really great blood sugar stabilizer and can help take away cravings, not only for sugar, but also for alcohol. And I have had success with this personally. I honestly, it got me through my first week off of alcohol. And a lot of my clients use it as well in times of um, craving. So it's not to say that supplements always need to be, you know, this like gung ho approach, but they can be used really mindfully to support different pathways in our body that can, again, help to support that healing process or help to support, you know, getting through those early stages of sobriety. I love that. Um, I haven't looked into that supplement, actually. So now I'm going to have to go do some research. So if you had like a couple simple steps that someone could do like now, like they've they listen to the whole episode, of course, don't leave yet. But after they're done listening, like what could they do to improve their nutrition? 
Yeah. So my first recommendation always is to increase protein in your diet. It can be very interesting if you start to evaluate how much protein you're actually getting in your diet, because most of us, we might think we're over consuming protein, but we're actually sometimes we're over consuming the wrong kinds of proteins. So we're over consuming red meats and we're over consuming, you know, maybe processed meats, which yes, they contribute protein, but they also contribute a lot of fats. They contribute maybe some processed ingredients, for example. Increasing protein might mean that you're eating eggs, you're eating poultry, you're eating fish, which, you know, special disclaimer for anyone who's vegan or vegetarian. uh, I always say, please consider fish because it is really one of the best sources of protein, high in omega threes, high in B12 and so many other important nutrients. And, And that's something that I speak to a lot of my clients about as well is the benefit of animal protein, which I know is a controversial topic. However, the protein that we get in plant-based foods is different. We don't have necessarily the same balance of amino acids. And the reason why that's important is because amino acids are the building blocks of our neurotransmitters, right? Our brain chemicals, our dopamine, our serotonin. So we need these amino acids, not just because we need, you know, healthy muscles, But I've seen many vegetarians, vegans struggle with mental health issues, uh, depression, anxiety, and some of that can be because of these specific deficiencies that are less common in animal protein diets. That's not to say if you eat animal protein that you are going to be, you know, relieved of all of your anxiety and depression, but it's something to consider. So having protein at every single meal, especially starting your day with protein at breakfast, I advise against intermittent fasting, especially for women. And part of that is because of cortisol uh, imbalances, stress hormone imbalances, but also sex hormone imbalances, which can be really common in those of us who have a history of alcohol use. So, you know, and a lot of times with intermittent fasting, women struggle with it and they think, you know, I'm not losing weight. I'm still struggling. Um, You know, what is wrong with me? And it's not that there's something wrong with you. It's just that your body simply might need something different to support your blood sugar throughout the day. So protein is always a big starter for me. I'm also a big fan of incorporating in liver supportive foods. Things like cruciferous veggies, broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, kale, anything in that family. Beets are really great for the liver. Garlic, onions, uh, turmeric, ginger. These foods are supportive not only of a healthy liver, but they also help the body's natural waste removal pathways. And I say that versus detox because that can be, you know, a trigger word for some people. But essentially, what we want to do is we want to support our body in being able to eliminate waste, eliminate excess hormones, eliminate all these byproducts of things that we eat or drink, especially with alcohol. So I'm really a big fan of that. And um, minimizing stress, honestly, is going to help support how we eat, why we eat, how we drink, why we drink. And it's not necessarily a nutrition recommendation, but it is something that is going to affect what we eat and it's going to affect what we drink. Thank you. I have a horrible diet and my life is filled with stress. So, okay, so you're I the next client. I personally appreciate it. 
So you're talking directly to me and all the things that I need to be doing. But what besides your amazing book, which we'll have to talk again, I'm sure on a slightly different topic when that's out. But what else are you working on? Yeah, so I am I'm in the process of deciding next steps for my, you know, for my business and my business. So right now I offer one-on-one individual client visits remotely, um, potentially in person in the future in New York City. And my functional sobriety program is continuing to grow. And what that is, is it's um, an online program that includes access to my online course called the Functional Sobriety Academy. It walks you through how to develop your own custom diet, nutrition, supplement approach based on the functional sobriety method. And that is great for people who, you know, really want to learn more and start understanding, well, what is going to be the best nutrition approach for them? It's kind of more of the hands-off experience than doing the custom one-on-one with me. We also have a members only network. So uh, we have weekly meetings, we post in there daily, we've got a lot of great group accountability and support. And so um, continuing to to grow that offering and the book has been a big push over the last couple of months. So I'm very, very excited about that. And um, it's going to be really, really cool to have more people have access to that information and be able to support their um, their sober or sober curious journey using a nutrition. Yeah, I agree. I think your book is going to be everything. I'm so excited for that book. I'm so excited. And the cover. Ah, we recently finalized the cover. I'm so excited ah. about the cover. And um, yeah, it officially launches in December of this year, but it will go on pre-sale fairly soon. So depending on when Perfect. this airs, um, it may or may not be on pre-sale yet. I'll let everyone know when it is. Cool. Uh, But where can we connect with you and learn more about your work? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram. It's my main platform, social media at DR Brooke Scheller. And I'm sure you'll put that in the show notes because Scheller is a little tricky to spell. And um, my website, brookscheller.com. And there you can find more information about my one-on-one programs, my online programs, you know, how to work with me and, and learn more about me and follow along the journey because there's so much exciting stuff um, coming down the, the pipeline. And uh, I'm so excited that we had this chat and I hope we can talk again soon closer to the book launch. Yeah, thank you. And I'll have all that in the show notes, but I learned a lot today. This was, this was really fun for me. So thank you so much. Good. Thank you. I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how to's for navigating all the things sober from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories and they're all so, so inspiring. 
I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.